1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. ctmobile.com'
0: The Cavaliers as part of one half of the Locked On Cast podcast and writes for Dime Uproxx Magazine on top of it. He does a great job. It's Chris Manning joining us on the hotline. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Nothing much, Center. Happy Father's Day to you. Thank Glad you. to be with you.
0: Thank you. I have a Father's Day-related question to get to, but I also have so many other topics I want to discuss first that I'm just going to throw this one out there right out of the gate, and we're going to start the conversation. Chris Porzingis, Zach Lowe brought him up on his podcast as a potential target for the Cavaliers, maybe part of a Jared Allen trade. What say you on Chris Porzingis and his fit with the Cavs?
1: I understand like that pull just in a sense of you want a more you want some more shooting, you want an offensive minded guy next to Mowgli. I think you saw in the playoffs some of the limitations of kind of the, the way the Cavs had offensive minded. I think structural. I, I also, you know, Porzingis is key. Is a player option for thirty six million this year. Like. Allen's at 20, so you have, like, a big gulf of money to make up. Yeah, You could get there. It could be, like, Allen and Jetty Osmond's not guaranteed and and you could do some of that. But I think you'd have to be, like, really sure um, to do do this because it would take, like, a three. It'd be, like, a three-for-one trade, realistically. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to get there. It would almost have to be, like, Allen and Osmond and, like, Okoro to even get, like, close like or maybe Rubio, like it's not it, it these this trade would be kinda like really all in on this one thing and that's really tricky to do. Um I get the appeal. I don't the money is just where I kinda really have a hangout bottom more the plus I I just think Allen's good and, and has a better health track than Porzingis even if mm. some of the offensive stuff isn't perfect.
0: Alright, so if it's not Porzingis, who are some guys that maybe you have your eye on for this team to try to add because listen, like Kobe Altman he can go out there and say, like, no wholesale changes. And I just don't believe that's true. Like, most of the time you're going to get presidents of basketball operations saying the opposite. They're usually going to drop the the cliche, you know, we're going to leave no stone unturned. Or, you know, we'll consider all our options to make the team better. But he just gave us a flat-out, like, no wholesale changes. Like, I just have to – I'm of the belief that if something came across his desk that involved moving some member of the big – or the core four, rather, and if it was Jared Allen – that he would pull the trigger if it really made this team better. Are there any players out there that you have your eye on that maybe could be part of a deal or something to improve this roster and the guys that are already on it?
1: If you want to dream really big, I think a guy that it seems like might not be in Boston that I think they'd like and I think would make a lot of sense is Grant Williams. I don't think they're really going to have the – that's going to be really hard to do. But I think if they could find a way to get that done, that would be, like, the biggest name. But I think if you want to hit more realistic names, um, I like Dante DiVincenzo. as like, a bigger guard who can scale up and handle for you a little bit. It doesn't seem like he's going to pick up his player option in Golden State, and they're not going to really pay him very much. So I would absolutely look at a guy like him. I think that's a guy that can play for you. in the playoffs. I like Max Drew, so I I think that's a guy that... Defended pretty tough in the playoffs, can shoot it. Like, yes, he's a role guy, but, like, you need a, a wing like that. Um, Yuta Wantanabe, if Wantanabe, at a pretty low price, is a bigger 3-4 type who hit a ton of a threes at a really high clip for Brooklyn last year and is a really good defender. I'm a fan of him. But, like, it's those kind of guys. But it's, I think, Spencer, the thing that I think maybe Kobe was getting at, if I want to, like, read what he was saying, is that this is not, like, a market that is built for a team like Cleveland to be – Super active or do something kind of crazy. I like, Look, through. I think we're going to get some trades. I think we're going to get some movement. I think maybe some stuff shakes loose that we're not expecting or thinking about right now. But they don't have a lot of money to spend. They just have the MLE and minimums, and they don't have a lot of assets to trade. So I think we are going to look at... This is kind of like a relatively quiet summer unless something unexpected happens. But those are some names that I think are are realistic and would kind of fit in with this quiet summer I think they might have. But... I think still kind of help them next year.
0: Talk with Chris Mannion, the North Christ, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this next one, but what about Kyle Kuzma? I just keep going back to the Wizards because it sounds like once they trade Beal, they're just going to blow it up. Is that a name that interests you at all?
1: 100%. I just don't think they can afford him. Like He's at $30 million on a player option. He's going to decline that. He's going to get more money than that on the open market, and the Cavs will take it off from on a contract is – $12 Twelve million dollars, and you can sign and trade them, but then you're hard capping yourself, and the Cavs aren't in a position to really hard cap themselves for that. I, I, it's a really tricky spot to be. Like theoretically, like in a vacuum, would would take Kuzma ten times out of ten. Um, if I'm Cleveland, that's the kind of thing you really need. I do not think he's going to be at a price point they they can afford.
0: So unlike the NFL, where the we always say the salary cap is a myth, in the NBA it is not a myth. Especially with the new
1: CBA coming, yeah, you know, like the 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 tiers of the, the different aprons, right? I think you're gonna. I think we're the cap is almost functionally it is functionally a hard cap. I think is where yeah. we're headed here.
0: Uh, with Donovan Mitchell, I'm not. And again, this is no. This is not me trying to look back on him in a Mets jersey this past week because I feel like every other week we have some story about him linking him to New York. And that was the one, obviously, this week, which I don't have a problem with that. I, I've never, it's the same thing with LeBron when he was here wearing a Yankees hat and people were mad about that. It's like, guys, he can cheer for other teams as long as he's out there playing and trying to help you win and, and, and the team he's on. Like, that's all I care about. Um, so it's not so much that, but it's just like kind of the latest tea leaf in a, in a long line of tea leaves. That are connecting him to New York, right? Um, it, should there be any buyer's remorse with Donovan Mitchell as people maybe start to realize that maybe they made this trade and he's not even going to be here for as many you know years worth of picks that they gave up? Um, he might be he he might be gone after just two years, and this championship window that they open might close very very quickly. Or can we maybe not determine that until we see how it plays out and whether or not they get some sort of return on investment here?
1: I do not think there should be any buyers or more. I, I think we're in a world where you absorb the risk. And I think, I also kind of think that people have over. I think people make too much out of this, Mitchell. Stuff. Like, look, here's the thing. This is a human being who was from New York, who I think clearly yeah. wanted or maybe still wants to play for the Knicks. What, like, what, what, I think people, if you had asked them that last, last year when you showed up at the airport, in the Browns hat, I think that you—that was still true then. Like, I, I think people are getting real too worked up over some of this, so how the playoffs ended, and I get that. But I think it is overreactionary. I think it is silly. I think it is, you, you, t- you trade for a guy like Mitchell 10 times out of 10. He had the best season of his career for you. He should have been first team all NBA, in my opinion and instead we're like people are getting mad about like you know him wearing Mets. like I'm not saying you were, but I'm saying like right, how right. many people I saw seem like annoyed about like him in a Mets jersey it's like what like, like what do you want what do you want him to do like not like he's being his authentic self yeah you That's know what cool. you know what That's it is
0: cool. chris i think the problem is it's it's just been fans feeling like they've getting bat they've gotten bashed over the head with Mitchell to the Knicks headline after Nick Mitchell to the to New York headline over and over and over again, and there's not like any there's no headline or there's no quote from him since the season ended that makes you feel like he's committed to Cleveland. That's what it is like because it's just so persistent and there's nothing that makes you feel like the other side's even an option. I think fans have just kind of gotten bogged down with it and it's made them frustrated, which I can understand. I 100 percent get that.
1: Yeah, and like I think that is fair, but I also think like I don't know if the, I, I don't know if that's on, like Mitchell to do that now, like he is a professional from a leverage standpoint, has.
0: obviously not, yeah.
1: No, and and it's on like I think if you want, if people want to be like annoyed with anyone, it probably should be more like the front office and like that than I think the players. Like I, I, to me, that is where like my ire would would go more than I'm not saying like either side totally deserves ire in that way, but I think. I'm kind of surprised more people didn't get like frustrated. At least I haven't seen it or felt it as much as this Mitchell stuff. With and maybe this is this is a player driven sport and all that stuff, but like, I kind of I think like when I kind of surprised more people weren't like rankled by the fact that Kobe just said run it back and patience and really was like like I kind of like I I feel like this is like a bronze and Andrew Barry said that people might have freaked out more too. That's like a whole other conversation, but. I don't think it's on Mitchell. I think it is, like, on the organization more than it is the players. And I think that's to the detriment of the organization's design, because, like, you and I talked about this. Jamie Bickerstaff gets put out in front of the media every day. It, like, has to, like, kind of be the face of everything when it's not totally fair. But I think in this case, the organization has to absorb almost like it's surprising that Mitchell's getting some of this when I think the organization probably would kind of get some of that scrutiny as well.
0: That's fair. Very fair perspective from Chris Manning, who's our guest here on the show. A few more minutes with him. Uh, Looking ahead to Thursday's draft, uh, any players, I know there's been a few that they've been linked to already. Amoni Bates um, out of Eastern Michigan is one. But any players that Cavs fans should maybe have their eye on that Cleveland could be looking at to draft? Assuming they even keep the pick. We never know what's going to happen, obviously, on draft night.
1: Well, the, the other thing, Spencer, that's been on my mind is that Sam Dessini at the athletic had this week that they're looking at trying to get a pick in the twenties or the thirties to try to get some like um, a older, more NBA ready wing. I wondered if that is someone like uh, Chris Murray, the, the brother of uh, the Murray brother in Sacramento, mm. who he's a he's a six eight forward who can shoot it. Like that's like kind of the template of a guy you might want. He's going to go in, somewhere in the twenties. You know, is there, are there other wings in that range? You know, uh, Oliver, Maxine Prosper, like, is a from Marquette? someone in that range? Like, there's a bunch of forwards, some of whom are older, some of whom are a little bit younger, who are going to be in that 20s to 30 range. So I'm curious to see if they'd get there. There's precedent for them. You know, they use cash, these millions of dollars in money to get the Kevin Porter Jr. pick. That obviously didn't work out. But that's the kind of guy you would, that's the kind of process I think you could see there, but... Yeah, like Amoni Bates in that range. I I, I kind of would wonder if they'll go for someone like a Julian Strawweather who's like a, a forward and a little older and like kind of you know what he is. And like I wonder if they are trying to come away with something that's a little more now as opposed to a little more development. Bates yeah. I feel like would be someone that we see play for the Cleveland Charge for like a whole year. And I wonder if they want something that is a little more ready-made.
0: I would. I mean, that's that certainly makes more sense, right? With a team that has limited options in terms of what they can do from a roster building standpoint, and knowing that they're sort of in this playoff contending, maybe championship window that they're trying to sort of keep open, yeah, I would imagine you probably want a more red, NBA ready player. So that would make a lot of sense if that's their mentality going into it. We'll see how that plays out on Thursday. I, off the Cavs conversation here. This is a conversation I'm fascinated to hear your answer on because I've kind of been debating this since last week I brought it up and I've kind of amended it a little bit, but I still think it's, it's, it's a fascinating one. Nikola Jokic, he adds a ring to his, his resume. Can we already call him a top 20 player of all time?
1: Ooh, I don't know if i would go top 20, but I think it was a mistake he wasn't at the NBA 75. I think it, in retrospect it's kind of crazy that he wasn't on the NBA 75 like I I, I think I would put him over Anthony Davis if we're doing that mm. you know like I I think if if we are looking at that list and it's like I I mean should he be ahead of Carmelo as well like I I I think he should have been on that team it, I know the top 20 all time would take like more Research and thinking about this in a deep way, but I think it's considering he's won two back-to-back MVPs, a championship, and and everything he's done. I think he at least should have been on that seventy-five team. I I think it's kind of crazy in retrospect that he wasn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, so last week I was I I went even I guess more drastic with it. I was being a real like hot take radio show host because I said well, is he top fifteen all the time? And then after I sort of did a deeper dive on it this week and listened to a couple different audio sources and like looked some stuff up. I th- I honestly think I would put him top 20 all time with a ring. Now, the, the, the thing is, the longevity factor is where it's it's going to come back to – it's kind of like a wait and see with him because we, we saw his reaction to winning a championship. If he decides, I'm going to retire after like 10 years and he doesn't have this like – 18, 20 year career like some of these other guys. Then I think you revisit the conversation, and say like, well, can we put him there if he didn't do it over a longer course of time? But really, like longevity is the only thing working against him right now because he is unlike anything we've ever seen. The numbers show that it's it's crazy.
1: He he is unlike anyone we have ever seen. Like at least in our like, I think life yeah. insurance. Like I can't think of anyone who like people make like the bird comparison, and I've seen that. And I never quite know how to, like, respond to that because, like, I wasn't alive when Larry Burby playing. Like, I was born in 1993. Right, right. So, like, how do I, like, I, I don't feel like I can make that. But it's, like, in the era we are in, there's nothing like Nicole Lukacs. And he's also, like, I think he's just going to add more to this resume. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like this is close to done with him. Like, it, there could, the Nuggets are betting favorite right now to win the title next year. He could win another MVP. Like, he is in his prime. I, there's no reason I think they're gonna they're gonna slow down or or have not get cracks. I guess some things will go wrong. They always do. That's how life and sports work. But there's also a lot that is gonna go right. And I think to be optimistic, I I think the Nuggets and Jokic are in a prime position for him to just add and add and add to his resume.
0: Yeah, it feels like the only thing really that would derail them from winning multiple is if he just decides like, well, I've already done it all. I'm good. I'm just gonna go back to uh, my home country and and lay low, but that, we'll see if, well, well, when we get there.
1: What's funny is, like, you go back to his rookie year, hops he was a second-round pick. Spencer, do you know, do you remember who was the unanimously voted rookie of the year, Jokic's rookie year? Uh, no. It's a fellow big man in the Western Conference who said some dumb things on a podcast this week.
0: Said some dumb things. I should know based off of that. Uh, who is it?
1: Carl Anthony Towns, who said he changed oh, the game. Oh, yeah,
0: duh, because he said, he, yeah, 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 yeah. He did say some dumb things on a podcast this week. right? It,
1: it is hilarious in retrospect. Like, I, look, obviously that, that year was that year that didn't individual season award, but it's, like, funny in retrospect that one of the greatest big men of all time, you know, like, didn't win Rookie of the Year, and, like, now one won two MVPs, and the guy who did is, like, his, like, he's been through a lot of sympathetic to that, but, like, is saying stuff that he changed the game. And I don't. I think that his like rating is like amongst star players. At least how we how we view them, I think, is lower yeah. than just above anyone right now. It's just funny how like that can the rookie of the year doesn't always mean everything.
0: And trying to call his uh, playoff run better than or more meaningful than what the Nuggets did this year just ridiculous. Uh, final thoughts with Chris Manning, really, really quick. I I said I I sort of put this out there. And you never know because it's a personal thing and. I never know people's relationship with their fathers or if they, you know, if they lost their father. So I never want to bring up a touchy subject unless uh, you're, the person's okay with it. So I clarify with you, but do you have Chris, a sentimental story of how you became a sports fan that was sort of sparked by your father or just like a moment that you guys shared?
1: Yeah. So my dad, as a kid in a basket for, for, for everything, he would let me pick a couple games a year to go to. and, Um, NBA was my thing. So, like, when I was a kid, I would always pick, like, two games a year that I would get to go to. And, like, when I was a kid, that was like, I'd want to go see KG and i want to see Tim Duncan. Like, Mm -hmm. those were the guys I wanted to see. And my dad really just would go along with kind of whatever. He wasn't – he's not the biggest basketball guy, but he would really just allow me to go do what I wanted to do and take me to those environments and let me see those guys. And it was always great. And even – like, even – when I was a kid, there was times where, like, you hear stuff at games. I think more so in that era, maybe it feels like, but people would say really crude stuff to some of the guys <laughs> on the court. Like, guys in front of us that like, maybe my first NBA game we were just, like, harassing guy Renewable and, like, screaming at him for a while. But, like, he, just, he, t- he would take me to events. He would take me to whatever I wanted to go to. And he coached for my teams as well. And it's just – I'm not, you know, on the radio with you talking about sports. I'm not, like, watching – the U.S. Open with him later today or, like, caring about the U.S. Open or anything like that unless, you know, my dad, I think, really instilled mm. that that love for me by yeah. taking me in and really putting me in those environments.
0: I think a lot of people can relate to that. Chris, appreciate your sentiments on that story and appreciate your, your thoughts and commentary on the Cavs, on the NBA at large. Always a great time, my man. Let's do it again soon.
1: Anytime, Spencer. Talk to you soon. Happy Father's Day.
0: Thank you, my man.